0: Welcome back to another episode of Dracul. This is a story of a young woman who came into contact with a mysterious man named Dracul. As her story begins with her first encounter with Dracul, His story unravels as their relationship grows. Previously on Dracul, Catherine and Dracul decided to spend most of their evening together. They laughed and danced for most of the ball. Strangely to Dracul, he experienced a connection with Catherine that he had not felt in quite a long time with anyone, if at all. However, Dracul ended up spotting a person watching them from the other side of the ball near the end of the night. Now, keep in mind that Dracul has an Italian accent, but I will not do it, because my impression is horrible and it may be offensive to some people, and I do not blame them. So anyway- <clears throat> I mean, anyways, back to the story. At this time, the barroom was clearing out as people decided it was time to go. Dracul still kept an eye on the person watching them. He got lost in thought as his pupils shrank when looking at the possible threat. Catherine yawned to herself. Oh, how time flew. I didn't realize it was already one in the morning. Dracul came back to reality. Yes, it is already quite late, I suppose. I usually stay up for much longer than this, to be completely honest. I see you're getting tired, dear Catherine. I am, I am, she said sleepily. I had a wonderful time tonight with you, Dracul. Dracul smiled mischievously. I also had a wonderful time watching the crowd's expressions when looking upon the two of us. Catherine blushed and smiled. She decided it was best not to look Dracul in the eye as he said this. She was low-key embarrassed from all the glares she received this night. She then began to wonder if it was safe to walk home or not alone at this hour. And if she could trust Dracul in walking her home. Though I say home, it's actually far from that to her. It's just a building, a small room, really, in her eyes. Dracul noticed Catherine's eyes were growing distant, as though she was reliving something. Her eyebrows furrowed just a little, but that was enough to bring slight concern to him. Which was, again, very odd for him to empathize, or feel, even. He then asked if she was feeling well. And snapping out of her daze, she replied, a bit awkwardly, that she was. Catherine had looked over to her right, which just so happened to be the direction that the lurker was standing. Dracul noticed this and quickly said her name, causing Catherine to look back at him. It is indeed quite late, as we had stated. Do you have any mode of transportation to get you back to your house? Catherine thought for a moment. Oh, that's right. No, actually, I don't. I wasn't planning on staying this late, if I'm being honest. However, my house isn't too far from here. I could walk if I wanted to, but the streets are quite dark, and I don't really have the means to pay for a carriage. She realized that she was probably oversharing. My apologies, I could get home just by walking. And Dracul responded with, I know just how dangerous it can be for a young lady such as yourself. And I'm concerned for your safety and would like to know if you will give me the pleasure of walking you to your place of residence. Of course, I completely understand if you would prefer that I don't, dear Catherine." You hear that, people? He asked for consent. Consent. C-O-N-S-E-N-T. Interesting. How respectful. Catherine smiled at Dracul and accepted his request. So off they walked into the night and outside of the ball. Dracul felt a sense of relief knowing that if this strange person were planning on going up to Catherine, they would think twice now. Catherine of course was still quite oblivious to this person throughout the whole duration of the ball and did not feel in any danger because of it. Also because she had Dracul by her side, which is also arm candy. The whole walk to her house was filled with them talking about whatever came to mind, really. Dracul learned that Catherine was an artist, and Catherine learned that he was self-employed and can do, according to him, just a bit of everything. She laughed at this and thought maybe he was trying to impress her. Either way, she was having a wonderful evening, something that she had longed for for weeks. Catherine decided to ask Dracul a silly question to help keep their spirits up. She smiled. So, Dracul, since you are quite popular amongst the women, I'm guessing you walk them home often. Now, Dracul was taken aback, but amused nonetheless. Now, Catherine, what makes you so sure I walk just any woman to her house every night? Then he was struck with the realization that he actually hasn't walked any any woman to their homes in a long time. You are actually the first in quite a while. Well, don't I feel lucky then, she jokingly said. She then nudged them and together they chuckled. Sooner than later, Catherine looked up to see a small cobblestone building wedged between two larger houses that were far more visually appealing. They had stopped walking for they had arrived at her house. She was a bit embarrassed, but at least she had a roof over her head, she reminded herself. She looked to see Dracul's gaze was fixed on the building, almost as if he was studying it. She coughed, (laughs) catching his attention. She thanked Dracul for walking her home, even though he didn't have to. He had asked her if it was alright for him to stop by every now and then, in the evening time, of course, since he was very busy during the day. Which is also getting her consent, by the way. She smiled through red cheeks and told him that she would love for him to visit when possible. Dracul waited for her to enter her house to then take his leave. As he started walking to his own place of residence slowly, he began to look back on his night. He was interested in this lady, and how easily she made him feel such empathy for her, on top of feeling warm and light-hearted. He recalled when you first laid eyes on her, to dancing, laughing, conversing, the lurking man in the distance, having fun, and- Wait! That's right! The man! But not just any man! The man. The lurking man. Going cold, he quickened his pace, forgot all about the night with Catherine, and thought only of confronting this man. As he reached the ball, he overheard two men talking quite loudly, as though wanting the world to hear them, like some advertisement on our modern day TV. Look at that smile! What's that, Edgar? How did I get my teeth so bright, you ask? Yes, yes, do tell! Well, I use the brand new Kualgati toothpaste. It is the number one toothpaste in the country. Recommended by my dentist, of course. It is still fairly new, so don't use if pregnant, if you have a heart problem, lack of tongue, have green eyes, pierced ears, ten toes, long hair, or are a fully functioning adult. Ho <laughs> ho wow, Bertomar, that's amazing. Where can I get mine? My- <laughs> Get yours from your dentist today! There, the figure was standing just outside the center in which the ball was being held. The stench of this man was all too familiar to Dracul as his mouth curled in anger and his blood began to boil. The man was only a couple of feet shorter than Dracul and had short red hair that he had combed forward in what closely resembles our modern-day fauxhawk. His clothes were nothing too special that would make him stand out of a crowd, but he did nonetheless due to his cocky demeanor and vibrant green eyes that appeared to glow like cat eyes in the night. Sartrum, Dracul boomed, what are you doing here? Drak, Sartrum responded. I believe the real question is where was my invitation? The figure, now known as Sartrum, grinned with mischievous eyes towards Dracul. This only made Dracul grow colder towards his unwelcomed company. It's quite obvious that the two were in each other's bad side. Even though they both had good sides, (laughs) appearance-wise, this man was equally as charming as Dracul, let me tell you. I mean, of course his nose isn't straight like Dracul's, this is a bit more arched, and his eyes are more feminine than Dracul's, which gives him a boyish handsome look. A VERY handsome look. I hope my boyfriend doesn't hear this. Every now and then when the occasional person walking among the streets sees both Dracul and Sartrum, they immediately feel a dark aura and they walk away from the two. Sartram is crazy but bold to put his hand on Dracul's shoulder and receives a cold glare as Dracul roughly brushed it off. Sartrum puts all his weight into his left leg. And crosses his arm as he looks at Dracul with amusement. So the pretty blonde girl, who is she? I thought you didn't care for people, Dracul. Or is she a toy of yours that I can have my own fun with after? Dracul stepped closer to the man. I don't care for people, he said through his teeth. Do not lay a finger on her, Sartram. Pay absolutely no mind to my life, but instead tread carefully with yours, or you shall be seeing me very soon." Sartram smiled. Are you asking me out for dinner, Drac? Dracul's eyes flashed red as Sartrum winks flirtatiously at him. As Dracul takes a step towards Sartrum, he turns and leaves, chuckling to himself. Dracul ponders for a moment and comes to the conclusion that it would be of best interest to keep an eye on Catherine. Unfortunately, Trum, strange name I know, had the advantage of being able to walk in the daylight, and Draco cannot do that. Uh, cause he's allergic to the sun. (laughs) That's why. Yeah, allergies, you know how it is, you know, having, or I mean not having Claritin back in the old days, am I right? Dracul snapped out of his daze when he smelled something from quite a ways away. His body shifted towards the direction of the delicious scent as he moved forward instinctively and with haste. There, over in the pale moonlight, he saw an older man on the ground, a few feet away from him, lay a wreck. And just behind him was a broken carriage that seemed to have tipped over. But quite frankly, it didn't look top-heavy, and the horse was nowhere to be seen. It must have scurried off in fright. The man groaned in agony as Dracul scurried forward, and upon further inspection, the man smelled of alcohol, and his knees were crushed underneath the carriage. A large bloodied rock was underneath the man's head, clearly explaining the gash across his forehead and bruised face. I'm sorry, it's just that it looks so disgusting to me, and it smells awful. I just, I don't know how you find this so appealing. I don't know. But anyways, Dracul then quickly bent over and scooped up the man's head from the rock. A change happened in Dracul. His eyes turned an extreme, intense blood red that could only be compared to the first plague of Exodus, where water turned into blood. The tip of his ears grew to an even sharper point than before, and his throat became uncomfortably dry as he was parched. His top two canine teeth grew twice as large, causing them to curve a bit inward as his tongue began to lick them. He sank his teeth into the man's forehead, slightly above the gash, and started to drink. At first, the man groaned again in agony, but his cries quickly faded into silence. His body grew limp. Dracul drank, and drank, and drank. When finished, Dracul returned to his regular appearance, but now with rosy cheeks, and a rosy nose, and rosy lips. Now, listen, listeners, he is not a vampire, okay? I mean, what? Vampire? Who brought that up? Okay, okay, so Dracul's a vampire, so what? I know it sounds bad, but trust me, listeners, trust me. Yeah, sure, okay. Dracul then stepped away from the body and took a huge breath, full of contentment. However, he wasn't completely full. He wanted more. He began walking, looking for other people wandering the streets that he could potentially prey on. Eventually, and very surprisingly his feet led him to a small cobblestone building that was placed between two larger buildings that were far more visually appealing, Catherine's home. He knew exactly where he was, and he also knew just how much he craved to drink more blood from anyone who came into his sight. Thank you for listening to episode 3 of Dracul. Will Dracul succumb to his minor feeding frenzy and feed on Catherine? Stay tuned for future episodes by subscribing to this podcast on the platform you're listening to it on. All narration, writing, and music composed by Priscilla Ibarra. Remember, if the moon is up in the sky and the nightingale flies by and you hear an eerie cry of the wolves who howl and bite then it's probably nighttime and you should go to bed